You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hey, everybody. It's ZZ Talk with a new intro because I decided to switch things up this week. Um, This is Greg, and today we're going to do something a little bit different, um, something that I'm not quite sure we've done yet in this podcast, and that is to discuss one album. We're not doing an album swap. This is a classic album, and since it is October, Noah and I decided we would do uh, something each week that was sort of Halloween-themed. And this week, we are going to discuss what is in one of what is, in my opinion, one of the greatest albums of all time. The 1982 classic, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Awesome. So before we get going, I just want to put, put it out there that um, say what you want about the, the man behind the music. But today we're talking about the music. We're focusing on the legacy of the music that Michael Jackson um, left us. And uh, so Thriller remains the most successful album of all time globally, but I think the Eagles hold the record for the U.S. sales, but in terms of global records for sales, Thriller still holds that record, and I can't believe it's been since 1982, because Noah wants to talk to me a little bit about, since I was around in 1982 and he was not, not just about the songs themselves, but um, what it was like to, um, you know, um, live in an era when a music, when a, when an album dropped that was so influential and continues to be influential to these days. So with that, Noah, let me turn it over to you. All right. And if there are any thriller purists out there or music purists, you might be saying thriller came out on November 30th, 1982. That's not necessarily Halloween, but I will also counter with the monster mash came out on August 25th in the 1960s which is also not Halloween. So we have a little bit of room here. Um, Another fun fact about Thriller is that it was produced by Quincy Jones, who is the father of Rashida Jones, who you may recognize as Karen in The Office or Anne in Parks and Rec. Pretty cool stuff. And let me just point, let me just point out too, what's interesting about that, Noah, is that that is very generational. So since this is a generational podcast, Mm -hmm. you look at this from through the lens of Quincy Jones is the father of Rashida Jones. And I look at this as Quincy Jones, the um, master musician, the master producer. Oh, and he happened to have a daughter, Rashida Jones. So it's just a, you know, a different, different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to go right into it. I'm going to be sort of interviewing my father about uh, just the time, space, thoughts on Thriller when it came out and how much of a impact it had on him because this album certainly had an impact upon me in my first listening and um, this is an eight track album it is 42 minutes and it's kind of interesting to think about that most of the songs on this were absolute hits and some of the most recognized in Michael Jackson's discography so uh, obviously I just want to start with Did you, was Thriller an anticipated album? Did you know it was coming out or when was the first time that you heard it and how did you get your hands on it? Yeah, absolutely not. Um, You know, I don't even know that I was familiar. I mean, I knew Michael Jackson by name, but of course he had a big album prior to Thriller. He had, this was actually his sixth um, album, 
but it was um, uh, Off the Wall, which was his the prior album that was apparently quite popular. I remember a few songs from it, but I don't remember it being, you know, sort of a, a huge uh, influence on on music of the day. It probably was, but I was also rather fairly young mm-hmm. um, at that point. So no, it was not like today there are certain artists that we wait for their next album and we know that they're developing or they're producing an album and we're just waiting for it to drop. This, at least for me, was a situation where the album dropped and it was in large part thanks to MTV that I remember watching for the first time um, a video or the, the first video that I remember seeing from Thriller was was Billie Jean, so, which I think was the lead single from, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, that was not the lead single. As I recall, The Girl Is Mine was the lead single. Um, and you commented that there are eight songs in this album. There were really seven uh, singles that were released, all of which were top 10 songs. And you know, it's pretty crazy to think about too, because um, when I think about Thriller, I obviously think of the title track more so than anything else. But Billie Jean was also on this album, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? It was. It was. And it was. Um, yeah, it was. This, I think it was the second single. Right. Off, um, yeah. And I think that's widely considered um, either the definitive Michael Jackson song and one of the foremost uh, pop songs of the modern age. And it's been covered you know, multiple times over. But I think Thriller, as it is, is just an incredible piece of pop culture history because it the music video obviously really got people, you know, uh, interested in uh, some of, I, I guess, it had a lot of great influences from the past while also sort of taking an artist who wouldn't necessarily associate himself with, you know, Halloween centered scary things, especially in November, and made it a phenomenal hit. Um, can you tell me more about the thriller dance and sort of how how that impacted people around you? Were people doing that at the school dances? And were how, how long did that last? How long did the impact of this album sort of go into the 80s? Because I know nowadays we have uh, so much coming at us, so much content, so much music, movies, something will be very popular for a long while, such as Squid Game now. But, you know, in the next month or two, that popularity will wane and then something else will come into the forefront. How long did Thriller really have this massive impact in your near day-to-day life um, living in the 80s? Well, you know what's interesting is that when I think of Thriller, the album, I don't think of Thriller, the song. Uh, Thriller, the song was not one of the early releases off the album. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I think of Thriller, the song, which is frankly, one of my least favorite songs off the album. Hmm. I think of it in terms of Halloween only. Uh, I mean, I listen to it at different points in time during the year. It's a decent song uh, to listen to when I'm running. But I think of it, you already mentioned Monster Mash, and there are songs like I Want Candy, things that are sort of thematic when it comes to when it comes to Halloween. Um, I with regard candy. to the not What's that? Halloween, but that is uh, for a discussion for another time. Well, okay. So, um, you know, I don't recall necessarily people at least my age doing the thriller dance. Um, I do remember, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put the carpet for the horse here, but I obviously remember the first time that the video debuted and we'll talk about that a little bit deeper into this episode, but um, I don't necessarily remember people doing that dance. I, I enjoy watching people on YouTube uh, do that dance now. But, you know, I don't remember at the time because it was so complex. And remember, I was pretty young in 1982. I was what, you know, 
14 years old. So um, it was uh, I think the a different time is complex, but I'm talking about, you know, hands to the side, walking like a monster, walking like yeah. a yeah. That's, yeah. And, you know, that's a ton of fun. I remember the first time I watched a Thriller music video, I was amazed by the creature effects. And I think the uh-huh. practicality of even something very campy back then is something that is often lost in uh, modern horror because it's very, um, it's, it's not affected by CGI. And in a way, it's a product of its time, but it does make a piece last better, in my opinion. So uh-huh. I definitely appreciate the music video. And I remember the first time I gave this song a listen, you showed us, um, you showed us the album and I believe November of 2006. And I remember- I don't know how you remember these things. Well, it's because it was, it was a significant event in my life. I think we remember where we were when uh, we appreciate certain things. And um, of course, Thriller, we just had it on repeat. What was it? Vincent Price's voice, his laugh yep. at the end. It, this is the narration. The song itself- has excellent production it's very theatrical in nature and i think it is a great sort of amalgamation of what horror was at the time and given that the rest of the songs are simple love songs of course uh and this one wasn't necessarily halloween um it wasn't timed during halloween i find it interesting that thriller stands on its own as a completely separate and unique space in Michael Jackson's songwriting history. Because for example, the album was about to be named Starlight. Uh, I had no idea about that beforehand. And I'm glad that it I'm glad that it was known as Thriller because it is a defining moment in his career and something that is almost instantly recognizable to the wider, I guess, population, you know? Oh, no doubt. I know it's interesting to think that Thriller was originally entitled Starlight, um, and that was the obviously the name of the album and the song too. So um, maybe if we, if I spent a little time, I would read up on why they changed it. But um, yeah, you know, the whole thing was just, you know, it was the kind of thing where it just sort of appeared on the scene. I remember listening to "The Girl Is Mine," which is the first duet I think that he did with Paul McCartney, and it's a it's a pleasant song. It's a you know a pop ditty so to speak, but it's nothing groundbreaking, right? And um, I think that, uh, in fact, as I read about it, it was pretty much uh, considered a weak first single, though I would argue that the first single from Bad, the follow-up to Thriller, was also a weak first single, but that's a conversation for another episode. But it was just a matter of, okay, that's a good song. People like that song. The Girl Is Mine. It's a duet. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you do is you see on MTV... Michael Jackson dancing to uh, Billie Jean with the lighted floor mm-hmm. and the dark. You, if you've seen the video, you know what I'm talking about. And, yeah. and that was kind of, I don't want to say life-changing, that's sort of dramatic, but it was really kind of a revelation. Wow, look at this. This is cool. It's new. It's, some, it's a visual we hadn't seen. There were dance moves we hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that reason, I think it sort of a, started a takeoff from there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so this is also a fun thing, too. It says the Thriller choreographer was also a Beat It gang member. So I think there's a lot here to sort of just like go into. And it was the most expensive music video made at the time. So um, that's some other cool stuff about obviously the title track. But what is your favorite song off of this album? Uh, I would imagine it is PYT or Billie Jean, perhaps. Neither. Want to be starting something. The fourth single. Um, 
yeah, "Want to Be Starting Something" is without question my my favorite song on the album. And and honestly, it's one of those songs that even though it it looks like it peaked at number five mm-hmm. and was the fourth single from the album, um, I think it's probably the most often forgotten or one of the most often forgotten songs from the album. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing: Billie Jean was was a, a revelation, but the bigger revelation was the third single, which I remember being released while Billie Jean was still almost rising uh, on the charts. So you had two major singles, uh, Billie Jean and Beat It. And what Beat It managed to do was capture a rock audience thanks to the guitar solo from Eddie Van Halen. And that was sort of the combination dance music and rock music in one that we had not heard before. So I think in a lot of ways, although Billie Jean is, is a classic, Beat It is almost definitive in... Um, its composition yeah definitely um this uh, this album i think also just sort of represents a change in tide for pop music i believe Mm -hmm. that um blondie had started incorporating uh, a little bit of rap into their style of rock as well and i think that uh this really paved the way for early 90s grunge perhaps and a mixture and fusion of genres across just popular music as a collective whole so Mm -hmm. um it's funny that you say want to be starting something is one of your favorite tracks on uh, the album and just in his entire discography because i actually find it to be the opposite for me i think the song is pretty repetitive and a little bit boring but uh, you know this uh, most of this album is uh, it's one of those ones where you don't really skip a song necessarily yeah i can't there's no doubt it's repetitive but what's not to like about mama say mama sama makusa Oh, of course, you know, that's, <laughs> and you know, that's, that's a ton of fun. So when you were, when you first uh, listened to Thriller, was it something that took a little bit of time, maybe a month or so for everybody to be talking about it? Uh, and I know it was popular as soon as you listened to it, but do you think that people were having conversations about its importance in society being perhaps the number one album of all time? when you were listening to it in 1982 or was it something that maybe 10 years down the road it became uh no i think we knew it was something special at the time i I really do think it had a lot to do with the combination of billy jean being just so dance oriented and then beat it being so heavily rock influenced Mm -hmm. you knew you had something special in the combination of of those two songs which as i said uh sort of were hot at the same time it's not like you know back in the day Back in the day, uh, an artist would release a song and it would climb the charts and it would peak and then it would fall down the charts. And only when it was out of the top 40 would then an artist release their next song and it would climb the charts. But something something was different, uh, as I recall, with Billie Jean and Beat It. They were really sort of, um, I don't know if they were climbing the charts together, but as soon as Billie Jean hit number one, all of a sudden Beat It comes out and you're like, whoa, here comes another song that's amazing. And in fact, those were the only two songs that hit number one um, off the album. That's very strategic. And I think it's amazing just to have two number one hits as it is with one effort. Um, And I think this album really paved the way, especially Beat It, for popular mashups like uh, Aerosmith and Run DMC's Walk, which eventually came out in 1986. So uh-huh. it's almost like um, it's almost like inspired remixes and a different fusion of genres to appeal to a wider audience. And I think that's yeah. the 
paved the way for more popular rap um, in the late 80s as well. So well, and um, then and then, of course, after you had the combination of Billie Jean and Beat It and then want to be starting something, which was, again, you know, sort of high tempo, then uh, a, a, a different um, pace of song, uh, almost a ballad. Uh, was the next song in human nature, which I would argue is still probably the most often, I don't know if this is true, but if you listen to soft rock, like people at my age in life tend to do, um, uh, human nature is one of the most often played songs. It is, it is a song that um, sort of has had a longer uh, life than I would have expected at the time. Yeah, certainly. Um, so uh, another thing that I sort of want to ask about the album, you said that people weren't necessarily anticipating this, like a $200 million movie or a blockbuster necessarily. No, not at all. People obviously knew about Michael Jackson. He had been well-established in, uh, the zeitgeist, you know, especially the Jackson five over the years. Um, but would you say that anybody would have expected this from an artist like him, even as expensive no. as he was at the time, this did come as a shock, and it sort it, of, it, did, did it revolutionized pop music forever. Yes, that's that's sort of what I was wondering, and it did yeah. solidify him as just a superstar of his era, of his age, because I think a lot of his popular dance moves, like maybe the Lean and uh, the Moonwalk, came out of this to an extent. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, no question. I think the leaning. You know, that's from, uh, I, I think of the Smooth Criminal, which is off bad, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, the, the uh, and, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention the, um, uh, the Motown special, mm -hmm. which I think was probably what, what shot Michael Jackson from celebrity um, music, um, uh, I, I don't know. A hot musician of the time to an icon because he performed Billy Jean on that uh, episode of um, Motown at the Apollo or something like that. I should probably have looked this up before we started. Mm -hmm. And it just the next day. So you're familiar with the term water cooler conversation, right? It's it's what people are talking about. This was what people were talking about for weeks afterwards. It was, did you see Michael Jackson moonwalking on television last night? And, and that was what turned uh, a musician into a legend. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing, especially nowadays, uh, a lot of times I, I will always give credit to artists who are popular because there is an element and, you know, a lot of hard work that goes into this creative vision, whether it's with a team of producers or if they write it on themselves. But Michael Jackson wasn't just, uh, he wasn't just a great music, he wasn't just a great singer. He also had a clear vision. He was an incredible dancer and just as a performer. And I think many people cite him as the greatest performer of all time in terms of his stage presence and how he commanded sort of the audience and how interactive he was with all of those things. And um, I, I definitely think that I, I wish I could have been there for the first time he did the moonwalk because sometimes I still don't even understand how in that day and age you could even come up with something as creative as that. Um, yeah, well, there's no question. He's, he, he was a musical genius. Um, and uh, from a young age, from, a, from a young age, he had, you know, it looks like, as I look at the discography, the, he had two prior number one singles from off the wall. Um, but then, so I, I guess maybe there was some anticipation, but not from me. Um, I think, you know, people realized that he was uh, 
he was going to be the standout from the Jackson five naturally as a result of the success of off the wall, but then this hit and it was just unreal. And then you had uh, pretty young thing, which uh, was also a single it was the, I guess the sixth single off uh, the album. And it was um, also, a, I mean, a, sort of a, uh, you know, I don't like this term, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it anyway, with regard to this album, if you want fan service from this album, you get pretty young thing, PYT. Yeah. Um, it's a fun song. It's kind of a throwaway song. I was a little surprised it was released as a single even back then when I was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, but keep in mind and note that the final single that was released from the album was in fact the title track. Yes. A year after it was after the album was released. You know, that is so interesting to me too. I, I, I find that uh, after a year, um, the album had sold, I think, well over 30 million copies. And I think its uh-huh. lifetime sales are 70 million worldwide. I think it's three times uh, Diamond in America. And it was number one in all markets um, at its peak. So pretty cool stuff. And um, do you think that this uh, this was his second solo career album right would you say that he was never really able to match this in his subsequent efforts would you say it was because i'd say most people weren't disappointed but i would also uh, with the court of public opinion i would think that most people define this as his magnum opus for the most part. yeah i I would call it his magnum opus too i think what's interesting about about this um is that he followed up the the you know what is clearly the biggest album in music history at the time and still today with another album that was huge in its own right um bad was the first album to have five number one singles Hmm. and that in itself is is remarkable so you know usually if you have a magnum opus your your follow-up pales in comparison and while no matter what he did after thriller had to have paled in comparison just because lightning does not strike twice at that, you know, magnitude. Sure. It, it, he was awfully close. When you think about the number of songs post thriller that uh, just sort of, you know, define him as a musician, it's kind of amazing from bad. He had, you know, as I say, um, I just can't stop loving you bad the single, the way you make me feel man in the mirror, dirty Diana, five in a row. And then a, uh, uh, sixth and seventh uh, release from the album as well. Man in the Mirror is such a good song. That is just Man in the Mirror is is probably I don't know. You know, you could say this for so many of his songs. Man in the Mirror is is quintessential um, Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that definitely makes sense. Uh, go ahead and check out how many lifetime sales Bad had in comparison to course the greatest performing album of all time mm-hmm. and thriller but um you know it all i'm gonna rattle off some more facts about some of the tracks so did Please you do. know that did you know that beat it is actually about it's an anti-gang violence message yes uh, yeah and then michael jackson uh i think at the time there's a lot of religious fervor in terms of censoring uh, certain was tipper gore around in the 19 early 1980s doing uh what she did I don't think she had arrived on the scene yet, sort of, um, you know, focused on uh, explicit lyrics in music. 
Well, I read, um, I read that in multiple interviews, Michael Jackson was saying there is no occult presence in Thriller. It's like he had to clarify that, that it wasn't about some dark arts or magic. It was simply, you know, about fun. And I think the album, uh, he cited it as a sort of coming of age story for himself, which uh, is honestly, it sounds pretty accurate considering that it was his second solo effort. And uh, the songs kind of go through a range of lifestyle experiences i could imagine with or you know sort of different subject matter even though a lot of it is connected to a general sense of love or i guess relationships to an extent Mm -hmm. but um you asked me to to sort of see Mm -hmm. what i could find uh thriller has sold upwards of 66 million copies Mm -hmm. globally bad has sold um almost half that a little more than half that 35 million copies worldwide yes and i think the eagles sold 38 million copies lifetime with their greatest hits album which Uh is always a very surprising thing to me because greatest hits albums of course you know back then i'm sure they were uh, a lot more successful but you would think that maybe one single eagles album would be topping that so it just goes to show that michael jackson his one album and thriller was like a collection of some of his definitive hits that was able to be the most successful. It didn't have to be a compilation of an entire discography. It could right. sort of be a defining uh, moment for pop culture history, for his own music, and just in many people's memories, one of the greatest pieces of music of all time. So yeah, I'll say one more thing too. Um, I know the focus of this episode is really on thriller, and I think that's where we've spent most of our time. But the follow-up album to Bad was called Dangerous. So I, I kind of like the fact that he's got this whole one-word album title thing going on. And 32, million, 32 million copies sold. And, you know, that's interesting, too, because I think Dangerous, aside of Invincible, is his least discussed album. And uh-huh. I think Dangerous is a far stronger effort than Bad, in my opinion. I completely agree with you, Noah. I think it's a maturation of his sound, and I think it's definitely uh, explores a lot more of himself and some yeah. of things that he was A little thinking. more New Jack Swing, a little less poppy. Um, yeah. But he was also starting to go down a path of paranoia and uh, just sort of the self-reflection that we saw in Man in the Mirror sort of turned into paranoia. Um, as we got deeper into some other albums. Did he songs. have Bubbles by the time that Dangerous came out? His Monkey, by the oh, way. Oh, I'm sure. I think Bubbles was around. Bubbles the Chimp was around. Um, hmm, I don't know. I want to say Bubbles was around during the bad years, maybe even. Yeah, probably the bad years. And he named his child Blanket, correct? Yes. Yes. And did he have Blanket around by then? No, I don't. I saw him dangle blanket here. Okay, so here's a story. Wasn't when I was traveling in uh, internationally for the work that I do, I was in Berlin, Germany, hmm? and we were on a bus. And he, uh, Michael Jackson was staying at this hotel, and he was out on the balcony, and he had blanket in a blanket, and he sort of dangled blanket. Well, that was the, what the media took from it was that he was dangling blanket from the balcony. I I wouldn't say he was dangling the child from the balcony, but I did see it from the bus. Mm -hmm. And then of course that was the whole news story for the next Wait, 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 wait. You saw him doing that from the bus? Yes, I did. I did. I was, I was on the bus. Um, and, uh, yeah. No kidding. So you saw that actually. Wow. Yes. I saw him on the balcony with, with blanket. Yes. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, most I remember people- because all of us got up and stood on the bus and we were all leaning one way on the bus so we could look up and, you know, and see, and it was just like, Whoa, you know, if uh, 30 people on a bus are all leaning on one side, it's kind of a, be careful here. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. And by the time I was old enough to sort of uh, recognize him as a pop culture figure. Uh, he was only three years away from his death. So it was very interesting. I didn't get to know much of his uh, personal and private life until afterwards with the litany of documentaries. And of course, yeah. levied against him and the case studies that have come out since then. But mm-hmm. um, I think we can all agree that uh thriller was something special and something that still impacts audiences today no question and now that it's halloween season uh they'll be playing thriller quite a bit um you know i guess on the radio but they don't have to i don't listen to the radio i listen to my my playlists and thriller is a staple so is is uh want to be starting something so is um billy jean beat it not so much pyt no human nature no but but those three want to be starting, want to be starting something. Billy Jean, um, and and Thriller are kind of staples of my, of my uh, playlist when it comes to Michael Jackson's music. Certainly, and I can credit you with showing me uh, his discography for the first time, and it stuck with me uh, for the last fifteen odd some years. So good, thank you very much good. for introducing me to a classic, so that we could talk about it in today's day and age. That's what I'm here for, Noah. All right, so okay. let's move right into our recommendations section. I am going to recommend, it's going to be a bit of a dual thing. So number okay. one, we were talking about uh, Billie Jean, of course, on this album. And uh, you should listen to David Cook, who was an American Idol contestant. Uh, you should listen to his cover of that song. And I don't know if you can find this on Spotify. I'd imagine- You can't, you I've looked, you cannot- Really? Well, if you because it's really it, good. It's yeah, really you good. Find it on YouTube. Type in David Cook, Billy Jean cover, and it is worth it. I know that you had downloaded it as an American Idol single back when it came out in 2008 or so, 2009. Yeah. So um, that is definitely a special way to listen to the song from a guy who really respects that kind of music and a great artist. Um, And if you are on the East Coast, uh, you should definitely go to your local haunted house. Uh, There is a great place called Scarewinds that does an all month uh, sort of haunted house, different themed sort of attractions in terms of this. And if you are around that area, the uh, North South Carolina area, or even just wanting to go and travel a bit for the weekend for a fun excursion, ride some roller coasters and uh, go through a haunted house, face your fears. It's a great time to uh, go over. And I've had a lot of fun in uh, the past when we've made the long trek over. So those are my recommendations. Sounds good. Well, I've got a recommendation and believe it or not, it is not a television show. And what's that? It is a podcast. Right. And um, since we're talking, you know, thriller from the 80s, I'm going with the 80s theme today, which is basically, you know, all my, my only theme. Uh, and it's called the Everything 80s Podcast. It's by Jamie Logan. He is Canadian and uh, he is a whole lot younger than me. So it's kind of interesting that he's really focused on the 80s. But each week he comes up with uh, some really good episodes focused on uh, different 80s topics. Today, I've been listening to sort of a 1981 themed um, 
episode, but there are other episodes that I've listened to recently, like um, the 10 best music videos of the 80s. Um, the time the McDLT and George Costanza took on the Whopper, the top 15 songs of the 80s, a look back at the year 1980, um, and uh, ranking every Star Wars movie and TV show. So, you know, some good stuff, stuff that you, you and I would both enjoy uh, listening together, but uh, check it out. It's called the Everything 80s Podcast. Well, that sounds something right up your alley. So Yes, it is. That is very good. And you know what? You know what I like about it, Noah? Mm-hmm. It's tight. It's 30 minutes. And um, it's a weekly podcast. So nice, tight, 30-minute podcast. Well, you will be delighted to hear that this one is probably just around 30 minutes. So as to say, a special shout out to us for that. Although we actually did start recording about 40 minutes ago. So maybe not. But hey, but before we uh, before we wrap up, what's uh, what's coming up next for for our audience? What's next week's episode about? Next week's episode. is this a question that I'm supposed to have an answer to? (laughs) Well, we just want to, you know, whet the appetite of all of our listeners. We are going to be talking about our top five horror movies, favorite horror movies. Um, And so I've been uh, thinking about what my top five are. I I know what, uh, I think I have four of my top five, but uh, you'll have to tune in next week or the week after to to hear what, uh, and I guarantee you, Noah and I will have very different lists. Uh, that is for certain, and I know that you were floating that idea, but I wasn't sure if it was next week or the weekend of Halloween. So I am not committing to either week. It's it's uh, up to us to decide between now and then. Sounds good. I will also be watching a couple extra in that time frame, including The Thing, and I will share my thoughts on uh, that, regardless of whether it's one of my favorite horror movies. So uh, you've seen The Thing. I have not. Uh, I'm oh, okay. Watch the thing, the early '80s and the 2011 uh, mm-hmm. film version. Yeah, that was your recommendation to me. I'm gonna. I listened to a review uh, on a podcast of the um, around the uh, around the world in '80s movies. That's another podcast recommendation. And I listened to the thing uh, review this week because you had suggested it. So I, I hope to watch it as well. You're like a walking version of the Goldbergs, honestly. I swear, your entire life is an interest is still in the 1980s. I live in the 80s, and and since my mother was Beverly Goldberg, yes, I would say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's very true. You know that. I love it. Well, thank you so much for hanging around with us again. This has been another October Halloween podcast for you. Uh, and with that, I'm Noah, and I'm Greg, and this is ZZ Talk. ZZ Talk. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs>